Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. That song we sing, that we speak the name of Jesus over our family. And I know that each of you have many family members that you would be speaking the name of Jesus over and probably have been, but I feel like the Holy Spirit also reminded me that we're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And everyone in this room, everyone around Lampasas, everyone around Texas, everyone throughout the United States and throughout the world who have a relationship with Jesus Christ is part of our family. And we speak the name of Jesus over every single one of them and over every one of us here. I was also reminded of what Jesus said in the New Testament when he was describing Satan and who he was. He said that he is the father of all lies and there is no truth in him. He didn't say he sprinkles truth with lies. He didn't say it's how he said there is absolutely no truth in anything that comes out of his mouth. And Jesus Christ is the word of God and he is truth. 100% truth, undiluted truth. There is no lie in him. And the word tells us that we come to the father only through Jesus Christ. He is the way he is the truth and he is the life. And we proclaim him this morning. And Evan's testimony spoke to something that I feel like God's been speaking uh, for quite some time now. And that God is going to do a miraculous work in the area of uh, suicidal thoughts and anxiety and depression. And those things are lies from Satan. And so we're going to pray here in a moment. I'm going to pray for those of us here. But I also know there's those of you here who have grandchildren, who have children, who have friends and family members. That are dealing with addiction and dealing with all of these things that, that we're talking about. And the only thing that can set them free is Jesus Christ. And the word says that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we're going to speak the name of Jesus over those things. Jelly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're not filling this place. You're filling your children. Lord, you're filling us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we can go from this place as ministers of the gospel, as ambassadors, everywhere we go, we take you with us. Lord, we thank you that you, you are doing a work that only you can do. There is nothing that we can do to manufacture it. There's nothing we can say. There's no words we can say. Lord, only you, through the power of Jesus Christ, can set us free. You promised it. Lord, and all it takes is us believing and receiving that work. Lord, and Pastor Darrell, I remember him saying last week in his message that we have a confidence in you, a confident expectation, not that we may not see it in this moment or today or even next week, Lord, but we're proclaiming the name of Jesus over these uh, children, over these grandchildren, over ourselves, over our marriages. And we are proclaiming it with a confident expectation that the power of Jesus Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to do a work and they will be set free. And we will be set free from addiction, from idle thoughts, from anxiety, from all of the lies of the enemy or that every lie that he says will be brought down. Lord, your word says that we're to take every high and elevated thing that would exalt itself above the name of Christ to the feet of Christ. And it must bow and it must submit. And we bring them into be obedient to you. 
Lord, we speak the name of Jesus over our family, over our children, over our grandchildren, over every brother and sister that we have in Christ Jesus. And we give you all glory and all honor and all power and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Will you give him praise? You may be. We definitely believe God is doing a work, and not just here in Lampasas or New Cup, something that He is doing in the kingdom. And we're uh, praying and agreeing with Him in that. I have a quick announcement before Pastor Darrell comes up and finishes his series. Uh, as, as many of you know, just a couple of years ago, two years ago, uh, we started and completed the NCC West building. And the purpose of that building uh, was to, to provide a place for our youth and for our children's ministries. And it also gave us additional space to minister to our early childhood uh, kids on, in this building. Uh, and when we did that, we believed that God was also uh, talking to us about the future and that we were uh, to bring someone else on that would minister to those areas and those. And we've been on, on a search for a person, and God brought someone in the last few weeks. Uh, some of y'all may have actually met. He and his family last week, they were here uh, visiting. Uh, their names are uh, Lance Megan Brodsky. Those are their children, uh, Kai, Asher, and Israel. They've got three boys. Um and so after they, uh, I'll just tell you, they loved y'all and they loved being here. They said it was so welcoming and just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and God working. And they said they were greeted by more people without name badges than with name badges. They said the greeting team was awesome, but they said literally everybody they encountered just welcomed them uh, in. So, And we hope that any visitor here, uh, any guest of ours this morning, that you, you felt the same thing this morning. Uh, this role is called the Generations Pastor. And we just believe that God is, he, he has not given us that facility or this place uh, to waste. We want to be good stewards. And so he is going to oversee all of those areas of ministry. Uh, Miss Amanda will, will still be involved uh, very much in, in, in the youth ministry, probably have a, a larger role in the middle school area. Um, and then uh, Miss Candy, my wife, uh, she'll still be over NCC Kids, and Tammy will still be over our early childhood ministry. But he is going to help us uh, develop these ministries to be the best that they possibly can, to reach the most uh, youth and children and kids that we possibly can and minister to them at a level uh, higher than we ever have and just uh, set our sights on absolute excellence. And so uh, we just want to introduce you to them. And uh, right now, I would ask that you join us in uh, praying for them. Uh, they have a home to sell and they have a home to try to purchase in this area. As if anybody in here is watching our uh, real estate market right now, you know, that's a very difficult thing. And it's going to take a work of God uh, for them to find the place that he has for them. But we believe he will, um, that it's it's for this time. It's And he has a plan and a purpose. So uh, if you'll join us in and praying for them. Our vision at New Covenant Church is that we would glorify God by inviting all people to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ through relationship. And Lance is a man of God who has an innate ability to develop relationships, and we believe he's going to help us develop those relationships with those uh, young people in our community uh, and help us reach them for Jesus Christ. So again, we'll be talking more about that, but we just want, as you hear things or us speak more about that in those areas of ministry, we just wanted you to know uh, who he is and who his wife Megan and their children are and that we're very proud of their are uh, going to be here soon and hopefully sooner than rather than later because they will be here as soon as they can just get that home purchase done. So Pastor Darrell, uh, come up and would y'all help me and join me in welcoming Pastor Darrell as he completes this series. Pastor Chris said, do you think you have one more in you? 
That's like asking a bulldog, can you chase a cat? <laughs> yes, I think we have one more in me. And I, I, as I prayed about it, I believe God's given me something very special to me. I agree with what the elders have said this morning is that I believe that we're on uh, the cusp of a of a new season for New Covenant. Uh, there's a lot of things that's going on, uh, far more than what we could see. What I think there's more going on in the invisible realm than is in the visible. And uh, I'm excited about that. And so we've been in this series called Living Right Side Up in an Upside Down World. And I'm going to tell you that's nothing new. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans 12. Uh, I'm, going to do, I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning because it's important to me. Through the preparation of this, I felt like God had given me exactly what I needed to say. And so I'm going to be doing some some reading, more reading than I probably would every once in a while. I tried to do it in the first service, but I got to preach it anyway. Uh, I'm going to do this because here's not, it's not because I'm wanting to get through as much as a, I'm, I'm wanting to say it exactly the way God gave it. Uh, it's really important to me that I say only what God is saying and not say not rush it and things like that. And uh, I may add some things that I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, but I'm going to read this um, uh, this to you because I think it's, for me, it's a word from the Lord, and, and I hope that it will minister to you. Uh, the title of it is called Filled and Faithful. Filled and Faithful. You see, that side up as we've been talking about in this, this series uh, is nothing new. From the time of Abel, after the fall, God has been calling mankind to a life of trust uh, that leads us to be different from the world, to be part of God's redemptive story. God has never left us on our own. There's never been a time when man has been on his own. He has always been there to help us, to call us up, to set us apart. And here's the words that I'm going to use this morning. We're in this world, but we're not of it. But we're not out of it. We're in it, not of it, but we're not out of it. When Jesus came, He demonstrated what the right side up life was really like. In its intention, in its fullness, in its perfection. God intended every man to live. He died a death that no man but He could die because He was perfect. He, without sin, died for sin. God then raised him from the dead, declaring that his perfect sacrifice on the cross was total curse and cancer and robbed death of its ultimate power and render Satan powerless. Jesus redeemed, restored, and reclaimed the kingdom of God to be on this earth in its original intention. Now, man filled with God can be a witness, a demonstration of the kingdom that is right now at hand. Christianity is a way to live, not just a way to die and go to heaven. Christianity is a way to live. But we need to hear what Jesus said to the apostles because they had went through the most dramatic time of their life. Jesus had died on the cross. He had told them for three years what was going to happen, but they didn't get it. He told them that He was going to die, but that, that did not make sense to them. And so they, 
When Jesus died on the cross, they were devastated. Three days later, He rose from the grave. He had told them He was going to rise. They didn't get it. And three days later, when He rose, they were elated. And they, they had heard all of their life about this kingdom of God that was going to be restored when the Messiah came. And Jesus, for 40 days in resurrection life, preached to them the gospel, the kingdom of God. And as He was being ready to be ascended, they came to Galilee. The disciples looked to Jesus and said, Lord, are you now, is this is the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They could only see their situation and the promises they had heard in the past. A deliverance from the enemies that they were facing. A messianic kingdom. They weren't wrong, but they were just short-sighted. And I just hear in my spirit this morning, there is something more. Now Jesus says this in Acts 1, 7 and 8. I need to hear. It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to read this from the message translation, Eugene Peterson, because I want you to hear the words of this. It's what Jesus said at the time. He is the Father's business. What you get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. Timing is the Father's business. There's a lot of people right now saying, God, I know you must be coming tomorrow. Now listen, He could come in the next ten minutes, and I'd say, come Lord Jesus. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Timing is the Father's business. Timing is the Father's business. And here, it's like we would rather Jesus come back than us be what the Holy Spirit has created us to be. But you will receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. And when He comes, you will be able. You will be able to be my witnesses, my demonstration, my testifiers, my testimony in Jerusalem and all over Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the the world, still working on the ends of the world. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. The Holy Spirit was the Spirit of God, the promise of the Father, the gift of the Son. And now, since He's been poured out, He's available and alive in everyone who believes and receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He was called the Helper. He was the one who would guide and guard and empower and testify of Jesus. He would be the life of God in the believer, the new creature, the new creation. He was the deposit that guarantees the fulfillment of the kingdom. He's the first fruits for the full harvest that is to come. He is right now Himself the power of the end time kingdom that will come when Jesus comes. The way of the kingdom was visible as a foretaste of the fullness that would someday be realized in all of its fullness. 
We are right now living in the overlap of the Father's timing. The kingdom is now and not yet. The kingdom reality, its power, its authority is here now. But the end is not yet. God is giving this world a time of witness, a space where the reality of the kingdom can be displayed and demonstrated to a world that is absolutely dead without Him. We are living in the day of witness and testimony and demonstration, living right side up in an upside down world. Hear me, church, we are not powerless. We have the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that Peter stood up and told had been poured out at Pentecost. The same Holy Spirit that empowered and gifted the first church body is the same Holy Spirit. You don't have a junior Holy Spirit. You don't have a defeated Holy Spirit. He's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Peter and Paul. You have Him too. We're living in a day of witness. And just as Jesus, just as the Holy Spirit taught the apostles how to walk with Him in their world through the book of Acts, He will teach us how to live in our world. Just like they were in the world but not of it and yet not out of it, so are we. Our world may hate us just as severely as it hated them. But here's the other side of that. Many, many will repent and come to Christ just like they did in that day. The ultimate victory is guaranteed. All the kingdoms of this world will be swallowed up into the kingdom of God. And while this is certain, the timing is up Father. So in the meantime, we are to be filled and faithful. Faithfulness in the kingdom of God right now will mean encountering idolatrous powers of our own culture. The culture of our day is developing a narrative, a story that they are developing right now that is incompatible with God's kingdom story. And there is coming a clash. There's coming a clash. The Western culture wants to be the dominant, exclusive story of your lives. But if we try to mix the kingdom story with the Western story, we end up causing the kingdom story. So we are facing a choice. Do we live in the mixture of the world and the kingdom? Or do we live according to the kingdom called God's Word and by God's Spirit? And I'm going to tell you, this choice is going to lead to a conflict. It's going to lead to being misunderstood and even to suffering. You were born in the Western culture. Most of us here were born in this culture, into this culture. And yet when you received Jesus, you were born again, a new creation in the culture of the kingdom. How are you live in it? I'm going to say this. I was going to head it to the end, but I'm going to say it now. I believe right now there are Christians who are living according to the world and attending church on Sunday. Now listen to me. I didn't say unbelievers. 
I said verse. I mean real Christians. They really know Jesus. They really do. And here's the thing. We want the best of both worlds, but you can't have the best of both worlds. If you try to put the best of both worlds, you get the least, least less of this one and you get less of this one. In other words, you, you can't live in the fullness of the world's expectations in being Christian. You just can't because the Holy Spirit is within you. But you all can't live up to the kingdom culture that God and the power that He has for you when you're compromising it with the world. I said I wasn't going to preach. We are facing a choice, and I mean right now. You're facing a choice. Am I going to live by the ways of the world or am I going to live by the kingdom of God? And let me tell you, most of us get our information, get our instruction, get, get our psychology and get our theology from the world. The Bible is on the back seat. It's on the coffee table. And we don't understand that God has give, put a power in His Word that will deliver us from all falsehood if we had just come to Him. So how do we live it? I want to share with you a full chapter of Scripture this morning, and I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it out of the message translation. And uh, let me just tell you, it's in the book of Romans, Romans 12. Romans was the gospel that Paul preached. Paul hadn't been to Rome when he wrote Romans. But he wanted the Romans, so he wrote a sent a letter before him, and he wanted them to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and the reality of the church. And so he wrote the book of Romans being the sermon he would preach when he got there. And so he talks about sin, he talks about the gospel, he talks about uh, the salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, he talks about uh, the new creation and the creation of the church. And in Romans 12, we often take Romans 12 and we'll take the first two verses and preach them, or we'll take the verses about the gifts and preach them, or we'll take this about doing good and preach that. I don't want just I want you to understand it the way Paul wrote it. He didn't wrote it right wrote it. He didn't write it in sections, he wrote it in a letter. In other words, you start at the beginning and you hear what he's got to say. So I want you to hear the sermon that Paul would preach to the church if you if he were here. You ready? Romans 12, 1. It's going to be on the screen because you probably don't have the message translation with you. So here's what I want you to do. He's talking to you and me. God helping you because He is. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. In verse 4, We are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the whole body as a whole, not the other way around. In other words, you get your part by being a part of the whole. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of the chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? 
So since we find ourselves fashioned in all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people, respond. If you work with this with the disadvantage, don't let. If you work with this with the disadvantage, don't let get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply and practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the Master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh happy friends when they're happy. Their tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. And our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person love lunch. If you see him thirsty, give him a drink. Get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Basically, it's like kill him with kindness. Don't let evil get the best of you. You need to hear that one more time. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing God. Good. I may have said it right. By doing God. Paul is talking about practical living out this reality of who you are in Christ. You realize what he said? Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. He didn't say your religious life. He didn't say take your Sunday life. He said take your ordinary life in all of your living, live it filled and faithful. Will it do any good? I'll just keep hearing that. Will it do any good? The world will think us weak and fools and a waste if we don't just get out there and compete with them. Really. And the reason I'm reading to you from the book of Romans is I want to read to you the result of a transformed life lived right side up. I want to read to you from the history of Rome. We read Romans and Paul said, this is the way you live. This is the way you can live. And, and, and I know everybody can say, well, what good will it do? I mean, you know, you're living in the Roman Empire. You're, under, you're being ruled. There's no hope. Do you know that God showed up in every major empire? Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel. You just realize that God, when, when it looked like every power was going to be a never-ending power, God shows up and it falls apart. Or God shows up when it falls apart. The reason I'm reading from Romans is because Roman history tells us what eventually happened. 
I'm te- I, got, I got this from Gary. He wrote a, a little pamphlet called Backward Christian Soldiers, and he describes the influence of the early Christians. You see, the Roman Empire had been uh, imploding for some time, even when Jesus came. Uh, Augustus Caesar had declared himself to be divine and, and had uh, basically uh, done away with, tried to do away with the Senate. You see, Rome was started with with a, a real foundation of family and, and Rome was started with the foundation of a republic of representative government with a, with, a, with a Caesar. But you see, they began to, to fall and it just kind of fall apart. Many things were changing. As the Roman Empire spread over the world, the occultist religions were gaining prominence in them and people had lost confidence in the representative civil government. Raw power was now the order of the day. Emperors were both deified and murdered. Augustus had downgraded the authority of the Senate, and the Senate tried to regain power, by, uh, by, but, but the army installed Claudius, who was a fool, as emperor, and, and Claudius' wife then poisons him, and he dies, and, and Claudius' wife then puts Nero in power, and, and after... His mother puts him in power. He kills his mother and his wife. Nobody could trust politicians. The economy began to crumble. Inflation currency was devalued, and they start. The king started t- taking the silver out of the coins and replacing it with copper, so it was of no value. The economy began to crumble. Inflation soared. Currency was devalued. In the midst of this, the government embarked on massive welfare programs. The cost of providing free bread and circuses required soaring taxation. People remained on welfare so long that it became a hereditary right to be maintained by the state. The moral climate was also collapsing. What had once been a strong family now had been over to pornography, homosexuality, sexual perversion. It was all rampant. The upper classes who had been the models for society stagnated through immorality and abuse. You see, the basic social institution in the lands of the Roman Empire had been the oikos, the household. But it was different than how we think of household. You see, in the Roman culture, a household wasn't just the nuclear family of parents and children. The Roman household included that, but it included the extended family and servants and slaves and even their business dealings. And the authority in the family was the father or the paterfamilias. The father in the family had unrestricted authority, including the power of life and death. As long as he was a good father, that seemed to work. But you know, there wasn't a whole lot of good fathers left in the Roman Empire. He was called the Curios, or the Lord of the household. The entire cost was shaped by the view of the paternal authority, which eventually led to terrible abuses. Abortion and infanticide were rampant. And their babies were being cast out into the streets to die. Does anything sound familiar? So when they cast the kids out to die, the father—if the father didn't like—if if he had a dumb son, he could kill that son and adopt a son from another family and make him heir of everything he had. He had complete control, unrestricted authority, life and death. If he didn't like the wife, guess what? Just kill her. That make it hard dating for the next one. 
Now, why am I telling you this? What would the early church do with all of this? Would they simply adopt the culture? The church recognized that they were not only to be in the culture, but they were also to be at odds with the culture. The cost the household, because that was a kingdom thing. It was created, man and wife, household. They recognized the kingdom relationship. They recognized the kingdom relationship, the household, husband, wife, child, boss, worker, etc. But had the Holy Spirit to transform those relationships to what God intended. So they uprooted the oikos from the Roman culture and transplanted it in the gospel. And this will change how you read Scripture. All of a sudden, when I read Ephesians 5, you realize Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and also gave Himself for it. Wives, respect your husbands. Raise your children. Raise your children. In the, or live with your wives in an understanding way. Your children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. All that was radical. To be saying that to fathers who had ultimate unrestricted authority, then Paul comes in and says, but, but if you're going to walk in the kingdom culture, husband got another role. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Raise your children. And then he just lifts the whole identity of, of women and slaves with the responsibility that they could voluntarily submit themselves for the sake of the Lord. This was revolutionary. The oikos was transformed. Still a Roman cost, but fundamentally transformed. Now the Father could use His authority to serve sacrificially rather than lord it over others. Wives and children and slaves were raised to a new level of dignity. I think Mike read out of uh, Corinthians chapter 10 or 11 where it talked about them having the love feast and they were having the Lord's Supper there. You realize the love feast in the church was there could be a slave owner and a slave at the same table and they were equal because they were brothers in Christ. There was neither male nor female nor slave nor free. Everyone was the Lord's free man. In other words, the whole thing had been turned right side. And you realize when Paul was writing then in Ephesians, he wasn't writing to... To uh, in, we've heard it so long and been taught it that we think it's always been. The empire was totally opposite, and God birthed a church right in the middle of it, and suddenly the home was restored to what the kingdom instructed, and it literally transformed a Roman society. Now let me go on. The early church really loved each other. With the love of Christ, they took the poor and the sick out of their tithes and offerings in spite of their own pain and their exorbitant taxation. They worked hard. They refused to become dependent on welfare. They earned a reputation of being the productive laborers in the empire. And they went out and they picked up the babies who were left to die in the streets. So Rome made it illegal for you to go up and pick up the dying baby. Guess what the church did? They went out and picked up the babies. They broke Roman law in order to do what kingdom culture would say you do. And they were persecuted. And it was regularly the church was being thinned out by death or those who said, I can't take it, and defecting. 
But through all the suffering, the influence of that church became undeniable. The demise of the old order came to a head in 3 AD during the reign of Diocletian. Diocletian was the only Roman Caesar that ever abdicated the throne because he had nothing left. The resources had failed. And within seven years, Constantine came to power. And he declared Christianity to be the lawful religion. And Christians were brought into the civil government. Why? Because Constantine recognized that there was no other force in his empire right now that was stable enough, honest enough, or productive enough to rival the Christians. After 300 years, Christ conquered Caesar. The power of Rome had crumbled before the kingdom of God. The Christians had suffered horribly, but rather than becoming defeatist, they had been slowly preparing and being prepared to rule responsibly. Let me give you a definition of ruling. Do you want to rule in this world? Then take the responsibility of this world. That's God kingdom ruling. You take responsibility. You want to rule your house? Then responsibility. For your house. You want to rule in your finances? Then take responsibility for your finances. It's a kingdom principle. You realize their rule was not a rule of authoritarianism, but it was the rule of the love of God and the servant of God in society. Men looked to the church for leadership because the church was seeking to serve the Lord in society. And then you read Paul saying, Hey, don't take your cases before the world. Judge your own cases. Don't, can't you brothers judge your own? You understand what he was saying? He was saying, don't trust the government to, to come through for everything. Live it. Live it. Live it with each other. You don't have to be first in everything. Play second fiddle sometimes. Also, it's okay for you to speak up when things are not right. Acts chapter 6, there were Hellenistic uh, believers that had come in, but they weren't getting served the same way that the other people were getting served. And so they took it to the elders and said, hey, we're being denied. And so the elders took it to God, and guess what they did? They came up with a solution in the church to take care of the Hellenistic Jews that were being believers and as well as the other. In other words, God has a way of taking care of us if we will give Him at the place. You see, the kingdom of God, the kingdom culture requires everything of you, not just pieces. Well, I'm going to be like the world and I'm going to be like the church. Well, you'll be not very good at either. Because you can't live like the world and, and you can't live in the power of the church when you're compromising with the world. you understand? Okay. Kingdom of God was not an excuse for escaping responsibility, but a motivation for involvement. Romans twelve twenty one says this, Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I often wonder, what would the Apostle Paul say to us in the 21st century in America with what we're going, what's going on, the inflation, all the, the distrust, the division, all the anger, all the things that's going on? What would Paul say to us, the church? Here's what I think he would say. You are overwhelming conquerors through Christ Jesus. Don't be overcome. 
Don't be overcome by overreacting, overemphasizing, over-spiritualizing, over-blowing, over-dramatizing, over-extending, and overdoing it with evil. But overcome, override, overshadow, overlook, overpower evil with good. Just as God gave Paul instructions for how to live in the days of the Romans, we can trust the Holy Spirit to give us direction and instruction on how to be His kingdom testimony and demonstration in our day also. There's a lot of things the world is saying that God may say that's right structurally, but it's perverted socially. So take what is structurally true and bring it into the bring the kingdom culture into what's structurally true to to make it pure in the Lord's eyes. What I'm trying to say to you, the same Holy Spirit that and Colossians and those is the same Holy Spirit that lives in us, and if we will trust Him, He will give us instruction and direction on how to live in this culture but not away from it, and change, take it out of what culture is saying and re-put it into the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the reasons we have a difficulty with that is we had a generation before us that, that lived the kingdom culture. It's been in our day that the new narrative has come in. How many of you, may, you remember a time when you didn't have school activities on Wednesday night? You didn't have anything go on on Sundays. It wasn't. We even had laws. We don't have any laws anymore. Here's the thing. There's the law of Christ in us that loves. And I'm not saying don't do anything. You know, I'm not saying go back. I'm just saying we'd been we'd been living in a salted world. And now the salt has lost its savor. We've got to become salt and light and leaven again. You're not going to become it by living like the world. You're going to become it by discovering again what God has said and what the Holy Spirit is teaching us. My time's gone. Listen to me. Please listen to me. We are in a day that compromise will get you killed. Daniel in the lion's den. He could have refused God and not prayed. But he didn't. Let me just close. This is God's world. And he's put his church right here in the middle of it. And he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not leaving anything out. You're not coming behind in anything. Please trust him. Please open your heart what the Holy Spirit has for you because let me tell you that, that principle is going to last for all eternity America is not guaranteed kingdom of God is which kingdom do you want to be a part of now, I love America I love what we have here and I believe we can restore it I believe we can get it again but it's not going to take politicians it's going to take the church of Jesus Christ becoming the people of God in our world today. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would pour out your Spirit upon us. Holy Spirit, you're going to have to instruct us because, Lord, we're real dumb. 
it's real easy to get caught up in the things of this world. And God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus that you capture our heart again, capture our soul. Lord, I, 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 I hate the anger and I hate the division that's going on in the world. But Lord, I, I find myself taking sides instead of taking your side. Lord, I'm asking you that we don't war against flesh and blood, but, but Lord, it looks like flesh and blood's warring against us. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to give us wisdom and understanding of how to walk through our days, living right side up instead of upside down. Take away the compromise and the, the confusion. Give us clarity and direction. And, Lord, our heart is to say yes, Lord. Our heart is to say yes, Lord. And so we say yes. Lord, whatever you want us to do, whatever you want me to do, I submit that to you. And I say yes, even without knowing. Because I know that whatever you tell me to do, you're going to give me the power to do it and you're going to accomplish that which you set your word for. We trust you, Lord. Bless this congregation. Help us to know how to walk with you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. I love that picture of us being a family. Um, and the, if you look around people in your life, you see other families, and the ones that are really successful is the ones whose each member does their part. Um, and everybody part. The, the, the title of today's message is perfect. Build and faithful. Build and faithful. The Father has filled each and every one of us with abilities as individuals that others of us don't have. So we are filled. Now we must be faithful to share what we have been given with those around us. And each of us doing our part is what makes a successful family. Uh, we've got uh, opportunities in this community to reach others. There are people here this morning who have been given. You've already been filled with the ability to help. Uh, I pass this area of young ability to help. Uh, I pass this area of young reaches unchurched youth in the Lampasas area. We need your help to help reach them. We have young people who are already coming to church. The ability to teach them, reach them, have a relationship with them, and guide them. But there are others who are not here yet. We need your help and do your part to reach them. So we have some... Uh, Young Life uh, board members that go to this church, they have, they have tickets for the uh, banquet that's coming up September 25th. If you know Cody or Becca uh, Leach, Randy and Sonia, uh, Carrie Cartwright, or Sherry Cartwright, I'm sorry, and uh, Beth and Luther Hensley, they're all on the board. See one of them. Say, I want to help reach unchurched youth in my this area. Another thing I'd like for you to do is to help us as we transition. Change is going on, but it's good. It's going to be good. We transitioned our, our young people, our youth, our kids up into their grades. When you pick up your kids, if their tag on the back of your kid doesn't have the right grade, would you let their teacher know that we didn't transition them yet? Um, you know your kids. <laughs> you know where they're supposed to be. Help us get them to the right place. Lastly, Teresa, if you're ready. I want to be able to communicate everything that's going on. There's more going on every week in Lampasas in, in part of New Covenant. I can't, you're going to get bored of hearing from me if I just get up here and talk to you about all the stuff that's going on. So we're going to launch a new app called Church Center. 
In it is everything on the calendar that we're doing here at New Covenant. Every life group that we have, all the volunteer opportunities. If you go to your app store, your play store, look for Church Center. It's got that little blue and green horseshoe. When you log into that, it's going to ask you, where are you? Use your location, okay, after you download it. When you put in just use my location, all these churches are going to pop up. Pick New Covenant. You know, that's us up there. Pick them. It's going to say, that's us. Be a part of us. Um, it's going to ask you for your phone number so it can send you a validation code and you'll be logged in. That's all there is to it. And the rest of it is just use it. If you're in a life group already, your life group leader can help you do this. If you're not, come see me or somebody that's already on it. We'll get you logged in. We want to use Church Center to communicate everything's going on so you don't have to listen to me ramble on Sunday after service. Sometimes I feel like my announcements are like when you're done with a good movie and they click the lights on. It's like, pow, oh, we, let's let's just continue to spend time in the spirit, not have to listen to me tell you what's going on. Okay, I love you guys. I want you to know what's going on. I want you to be able to do your part. You've been filled. You're talented. You've got stuff to share. We'll have places for you to volunteer. Let me pray for you real quick, Father God. You're a good God. You have given us so much, and Lord, we are just in in eager anticipation to see what you're going to do with the gifts and talents talents that you've given the members of our body lord take this family use it for your kingdom bring glory kingdom through what you're doing here and we'll give you all the praise for it in jesus name we pray amen if you're new here to new covenant if you haven't met our pastor yet he wants to meet you he wants to get a right in the back corner he's waiting there to talk to you get to know him thank you y'all have a great week Thank you for listening to this week's message.